0: This is The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshayamit Synagogue talks with author Jonathan Igg about the parsha Akev and the Jewish weather forecast. Cloudy with a chance of exile. How do we understand our relationship to the earth through a
1: Jewish lens? This week we're talking about the portion of Akev and a little bit about the weather and how we think about it, which is a pretty relevant topic in Chicago since I'm not sure we really have normal seasons
0: anymore nobody does i mean the the, the whole world is uh, obsessed with weather for good reason it used to be it was just something you complained about because you had nothing else to complain about or because your mother had nothing else to do she watched the weather channel all day but now we're talking you know life and death world changing weather that you know makes me worry for our children right it's funny that growing up if you wanted to pick the most neutral
1: topic, talk about the weather
0: yeah i would always roll my eyes as soon as somebody said how about the weather i'd say I'm out of here. I don't. Right. I, you don't. Right. You don't. Obviously, don't have anything interesting to say to me. But today, if no you offense, talk about, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> but, but today, if we talk about the weather, it's a very charged topic. Yeah, and a depressing one sometimes. Well, some people are going to talk about climate change, and some people are going to say it has nothing to do with climate change, right? And so we're actually. This is one of, the weather is one of the most divisive issues in the Torah, and the weather is one of the most divisive issues in our society, one of the most interesting theological issues
0: in the Torah. Right. Do we believe that God is controlling the weather? Does he bring the floods? Does he bring the droughts? Does he fix the problems? when? Does he solve the droughts? Obviously, societies have ascribed the weather to God. They've prayed for rain as long as we've prayed for anything. From
1: the Torah's perspective, if God's the creator of the world, then God is also in control of the weather. The flood is clearly an expression of God's disfavor. And in this week's Torah reading, it is made perfectly clear And we're going to see that there is a second paragraph of the Shema that appears in this week's portion of Akev. For the first paragraph, you'll love the Lord your God, is in last week's portion, the Atchanah. But let's see what it says. The Torah makes a very interesting distinction. It talks about the difference between the land of Egypt and the land of Israel. And how in the land of Egypt, if you wanted to water your crops, there was water available, and you could easily water them. And I, and the Torah here is referring to irrigation systems, which the Egyptians had developed. But in Israel, when they come to the, to the new land, it's a land of hills and valleys, and the Torah says that it'll rain from the heavens. So for the Israelite, rain is directly connected to God. And what the second paragraph of the Shema is ultimately saying is, is that if you follow the laws, I'll give you rain in its season, and you will have harvest, and you will have all of the bounty. But if not, I will show you my disfavor by making the rain stop. This is really an interesting issue as to the connection between the people, their ethical lives, and God, and the land.
0: Yeah, if you love me, I will feed you, and if you don't, you better figure out how to start loving me again, right? It's a, is it conditional? You went to a really negative place. I'm sorry. I, I, I do I, that sometimes. Uh, well,
1: that's true. <laughs> but, but, but you immediately said, well, God is sort of this needy lover. If you love me or a mother or a guilting mother or father, if you love me, you call me, right? Right. You pay attention to me. I'm not sure that's what the Torah is saying at all. If you want to be in relationship with me, you have to act. You have to act in ways that are responsible, thoughtful, caring, empathic, and with a sense that there needs to be a future for your children. So I think those are really relevant ideas that we are experiencing today. The Torah isn't saying, Worship me, pray to me a hundred times, you know, times a day, or say a hundred blessings. It says, Follow the Torah, my instructions about how to live the land. Are you leaving the corners of your fields for the poor? Are you going to leave the gleanings for the poor? Are you going to care for the land in a way that's responsible, the trees, etc.? I think it's a very interesting and really extremely relevant idea today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when I said, you know, love me and, and I will feed you, I think we're, we're saying the same thing. The act of loving God is, is participating in the world and following his commandments and living a, a holy life. It's not just saying, okay, I love you, now give me something back. It's, I'm, it's, it's not a, a tit for tat. I think we're agreeing. I'm just being more, more cynical about it.
1: Well, I think, my... I, but that's your way. I've learned to love you even <laughs> to, despite that. Wow. I think that there's something much deeper here that we shouldn't lose sight of, and that is love isn't enough. Because our actions are what ultimately matter. That's how we express our feelings. And the second paragraph of the Shema that shows up in this week's portion is all about consequences. There are positives and there are negatives. But they're real and they come. And I think lots of us are feeling like those consequences are upon us
0: right now. Yeah, we must have been really bad because it feels like the changes in our planet right now are potentially cataclysmic and that if you know i think we all have to wonder if god is punishing us for something right well
1: see that's isn't that interesting the torah starts by having human beings created by god to be god's partner in the creation there's a very famous midrash where god says to adam and eve Take care of this land. I'm not going to give you another one. If you destroy it, I'm not going to fix it for you. Mm-hmm. This is our responsibility. I've given you the tools to manage it, but you have free will and you can destroy it. My treatment of the world is reflective of so many different things. The privilege of being an American. I could go to a car dealership and I can get a car that right, has zero emissions. right? Or I can buy a car that gets very few miles to a gallon. And I can say, I can afford it. There's gas, I can buy it. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to recycle, I don't have to do that. But the Torah here is saying, wait a second, it is not only your civic responsibility, it's your religious responsibility to live with a consciousness of the world because I'm the one who gave it to you. And that, I think, is a huge leap beyond where we are right now.
0: Yeah, it's about individualism versus community, and we all tend to have selfish instincts. We all feel like, well, I can take this special vacation, uh, even though, you know, we go on these green vacations, you know, to like Costa Rica, where we see, but we're spending, you know, we're burning so much fuel to get there that we don't calculate how much damage we're doing to the earth because we feel like I'm just one person, how much that requires a shift in thinking that we've seen at times in our culture we've seen these swings you know in the 70s when the, the, the environmental movement was big and then again you know at times more recently but there are also these swings where you just lived in this age where you feel like we're just hopelessly selfish we're not worried about future generations or the long-term sustainability of the earth and then i think is where at least for from the
1: jewish perspective that's where the torah or that's where the religious ideal comes into play idea of Chiyu, of obligation. Because if we are not thinking about the future, then we're failing. We're not just failing each other. We're ultimately failing in our responsibility as partners to God in the overall creation. I think about some of the statistics that I've seen recently that recycling isn't really making a dent in the way that we want it to make a dent. And so you could read that, and you could say, "Well, you know, why bother?" But maybe it's the act of recycling that keeps you conscious of your responsibility. In other words, if you ritually separate your papers and your plastic, that becomes sort of a religious act that's constantly reminding you, "Wait a minute, do I need, really need a plastic straw? How am I using plastics? What do, How can I? How can I?" think differently about plastic
0: bags and things like that. That is also part
1: of the religious ideal.
0: Yeah, but then we need to take it to the next step and say, if the recycling programs aren't working, how can we reimagine them? Somebody has to come along, and I keep saying somebody, like somebody else is going to do it, not me. If we are all wasting our time recycling and all of this plastic is just going into the sea, how can we find a better way, and who's going to lead us? As you were
1: talking, I was reminded of, a, of an old story where... Uh, Guy goes to visit a man and he's sitting out somewhere in the south and they're drinking mint juleps and there's a big bloodhound lying on the porch as they're uh, in their rocking chairs and suddenly the bloodhound lets out this blood curdling moan and the guest says, What's wrong with your dog? And the owner says, "I, I suspect he's lying on a nail. And the visitor says, Well, why doesn't he move? He says, I suspect. It doesn't hurt bad enough yet. It hurts bad enough, it may be too, too late. And the reality is, is that we could create solutions. I'll just give you one example. The state of Israel is now water self-sufficient. This is kind of an amazing thing. That they have so perfected the desalinization process that they have water. And they're exporting this technology around the world, whether it's in California or in Africa and other places. What we can do As human beings, when we put our minds to something, when it hurt bad enough in Israel, people sat down and they figured out what they were going to do. And so, by the way, the imagery of the Torah saying you're now dependent on the water from the sky, maybe not so much, maybe not as much as you once were. But I think that it's going to take a religious sense of obligation to each other, to people around the world, to our families, to our children, that is missing today. And I think that's very much part of the second paragraph of the Shema, that there are real obligations and there are real consequences.
0: Yeah, and maybe that desalinization effort is a sign of the way we're supposed to be acting, um, that we can try to cure some of the Earth's problems and not depend on God for everything.
1: Well, that's a story that we'd like more people to know coming out of Israel, so that's a good one. And um, let's hope that we get the message.